the privilege of uh, introducing to you this morning. Uh, I don't consider this guy a guest speaker. What I consider him is a good friend of our ministry. Derek Bocamp, give him a hand. All right. Hey, good morning. Happy New Year, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be with everyone this morning. Uh, this is kind of my weekend each year to hang out with everyone. I think this is my third year in a row. It's the weekend between Christmas uh, and the new year, and uh, I get to spend it with you guys. It's, it's all part of the plan. We go see my, my wife's family, my family, and the Verde Valley family, so it's really working out. You guys will have to come visit us one of these days. And so uh, truly honored to get to be here with you all uh, this morning and to kind of wrap up this travel light series uh, with you. I was able to listen to a couple of the messages uh, earlier on in the month just to hear what God's been doing and uh, just encouraged to share. And I really like our topic today because I think it times really well with this time of the year, being that it's, it's the end of the year and it's pretty easy to kind of reflect back and then to look toward the new year in 2020. And today, we're going to be talking about the past, specifically letting go of the past. And it's my hope that this kind of frames up your year and helps you kind of jumpstart into into 2020. I'm a big fan of first kind of starting with like in any topic, what is culture saying or thinking about that topic? So that way when we start to talk about God's word, we kind of have a point of reference, right? So culture, how do we view the past? A couple of interesting things. Generation Z, so Gen Z, which is the generation uh, younger than me, millennials, is now coming of age. So we have a new generation to bully everyone. I'm really excited that it's not me anymore. Uh, Just kidding. They are coming of age, and they will be the first generation, this is so interesting, to have had the opportunity to have their entire lives digitally documented. So, So think about it like this. Facebook was not a technology that came into existence when they were in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. They were born with that being a thing, much as you were born with cars already being a thing, probably, right? Like, (laughs) hey, everyone's included. I don't want to assume. Right? So this, this generation just grew up having cameras pointed in their face by many of us, right? And anytime they did anything, we documented it. They stood. They sat, they ate, they didn't eat, they pooped, they didn't poop, like everything, right? We just click, 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 click. Now all of this is documented online, their entire past digitally stored. This is tremendously interesting, and we have no point of reference in human history to know how this is going to play, that everything you've done can be accessed with a click. Simultaneous to this, you might have picked up on it, our culture seems to be getting more and more fast-paced, doesn't it? So we're storing everything online, and we're moving quicker than ever. Doesn't it seem like we've added like 50 different holidays to be aware of in like the last 10 years? Like, wait, so 
I'm supposed to give before Thanksgiving, eat on Thanksgiving, shop on Friday. What does Amazon want me to do after that, right? Like, there, there's all of these things, and it feels like things have sped up, and we've lost some habits of, of maybe journaling, like many people did for many years, and reflecting, or sitting at the dinner table together and, and unpacking our day or our last year. It's kind of an interesting tension, right? We have the ability to document the past, and at the same time, we're moving quicker than ever. ever. So here's the result that I'm seeing in culture. I think you might be too. We are starting to idealize the past. You're hearing more and more like remember when or the way things used to be, and that was the right way to do things. And there's this nostalgia that's creeping in as we move quicker and quicker and quicker. It's funny, people in my age group talk about the 90s like it was some far-removed land, right? Like, you don't know what it was like to live in the 90s, man. I'm like, it wasn't that long ago, man. You know, like, do you know what 2018 was like? It was like that minus 19 years, okay? And and they talk about, like, the old video game systems, like, man, you, you a Nintendo 64. I'm like, that thing was trash. Like, that was terrible. Get you some virtual reality. And people are idealizing the past. This is the culture we live in. We're capturing everything, we're moving quicker than ever, and we're wondering how to deal with this topic. When it comes to the past, it's interesting as well, because maybe when I bring it up, you think of some stories from your past, maybe they're embarrassing, and coming out of a season where you might have spent some time with family, you might have been around that one family member who always brings up moments from the past that you wish they wouldn't. You know who I'm talking about? If you don't, it's you, so you better. (laughs) Can Can I tell you guys an embarrassing story that gets brought up about me every now and then? Okay. <laughs> it's an embarrassing story, guys. In, in high school, uh, I played football all, all four years, loved the sport. Uh, my position was starting bench guard, and uh, <laughs> yeah, no one's getting on that bench, you know? They, they didn't think that my arms were strong enough to pass out the water cups, so they made sure I guarded the bench. It was really cool. And so uh, if you played high school sports, they love to make you run, they love to make you work. And I had this kind of tradition before football practice, our house backed up to the football field. And so I would go and I would climb the wall and I would eat a giant bowl of cereal before football practice. My cereal of choice was Cocoa Puffs, okay? We're gonna call that literary foreshadowing. So, (laughs) one day we got our report cards. And when we got our report cards, if you had a C, a D, or an F, you had to run what's called hills. Now, those are pretty simple. A hill is sprinting up a hill and sprinting back down the hill. And it was something like for a C, you would run five hills, for a D, you'd run 10, for an F, you'd run 20. Well, on this day, my coach was feeling particularly cruel. And so he said, we're gonna combine the whole team's report cards together and that's how many hills you have to run. Right? inhumane. Come on. I'm a millennial. It hurts my feelings, you know? So um, (laughs) it was something like 10,000 hills. That's what I remember. So we're in full pads, we're in gear, helmets, and we're sprinting up and down the hill. And if you've done anything athletic like that, you know, you're you're running up and you're, you're feeling good and you're getting a little tired and slowly you're feeling worse and worse. And all of a sudden my stomach's starting to grumble. And we kind of get, get it to where it's wrapped up. The coach calls us all together, probably to avoid a lawsuit. And we're kind of huddled around. I'm like, uh-oh, this is bad. I won't go too far into detail, but to, suffice to say, I did not get my helmet off. It just kind of sprayed, 
all over our brand new booster-sponsored football field. Do you want to know what my teammates called me for the rest of my high school football career? Coco Puff. Now, that was 10 years ago. I've gone to seminary. I have a career. I've gotten married. I think I'm doing okay in the thing called life. When I run into them, do you know what they call me? Coco Puff, right? It's funny. This is how our, our past works, and you have stories that you could tell just like me. But here's what I suspect, and as we kind of get into God's Word, I, I suspect that when I talk about the past, you kind of view it in one of two ways. You think about your past, and you go, man, my, my past has been great. Like, my past was, was awesome, and you have these fond memories, and you think about raising your kids, and you think about all these wonderful moments, and, and what a blessed life you have. And, and what I'd suspect is that maybe there's also a sense of like, is it ever going to be that way again? Like, that was so great. Like, does God have anything else for me? So that's one. And then the other category that some of us fall into is like, my past was painful, and Derek, even when you said we're talking about the past today, like my heart sunk a little bit, or you felt like a desire, like I just need to pull out my phone, or I need to, I need to check out, because when you think about your past, it's filled with, with hurt and hopes that weren't realized, dreams that you had that didn't happen. This is where many of us fall into, one of those two categories. So for the rest of our time, what I want to do is I want to talk about how God's word kind of invades this space. And whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're not and you're trying to figure it out, what I'm hoping for is we all walk out here having a little more hope that maybe there's a plan for our past and a God who cares quite a bit about each and every one of us. It's going to be very simple today. I'm going to ask you one question and I'm going to give you one point and that'll set our time up. If you're following along in your Bible, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. And here's the first question that we're going we're gonna to ask. We're just going to ask this question. Is your past holding on to you? Is your past holding on to you? We'll, we'll expand on that a little bit, but let me read you this first verse in 13. It's from Paul. He's writing to the church in Philippi, and he just says this, brothers and sisters, so trying to make the Bible practical and connect, right? Brothers and sisters, here's the good thing. When you see that phrase, he's talking to the church. He's talking to us. So you're about to hear something that applies to you 2,000 years later. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. What is it? I'm glad you asked. The context leading up to this is something Paul talks a lot about, that in the Christian journey, what we believe is that we start in one place, and that over the course of our lives, God grows and shapes us into what he has in mind, that he's breaking bad habits and patterns, and he's making us more holy and good, and that there's a journey that we're on, and one day God will call us home to heaven, and we'll be one with him, right? So, so Paul says... I'm not there yet. <laughs> I still have problems. I have this thorn in the flesh that I keep talking about. I have sin. I have pain. I haven't taken hold of it. I don't think any of us in this room would say, I've, I have taken hold of it, you know? Let me write part of the Bible. <laughs> right. You know, if you've taken hold of it, you're probably Jesus, at which point I should be done. You get up here. You haven't taken hold of it. So here's the good news, and this is very practical for us to start our time off. 
If you still feel like you have not arrived and that there's still space to go in your life, here's the good news, is that means that God is still working on you. That your past, whatever it was, good or bad, God still has work to do on you now. He's not looking at your past and going, I don't know if I can use that person. (laughs) They're kind of washed up or like, I don't know. I'm God so I can read their minds and it's bad. He's not doing that. Like, like, you haven't taken a hold of it. So God says, I have work to do in you. God's not done with you. You haven't taken a hold of it yet. So he says, but there is one thing I do. One thing I do is forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. So I'm not perfect yet, but here's the thing. When I think about my fast, I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm straining toward what is ahead. Paul's an interesting guy. If you're familiar with his story at all, Paul falls into both of our categories. Paul had a painful past and an awesome past. In, in Paul's history, he persecuted Christians before he was one. He was responsible for imprisonment, execution of Christians, systematic, pretty bad stuff, right? Now, at the same time, God uses Paul to go and reach the ancient world with the message of Jesus. And in fact, at this point, Paul's getting churches started. He's developing a reputation. People know about him. The Romans are hearing about him. People want to know more about Paul. He's becoming a bit of an ancient celebrity. So he's interesting because when he says he's forgetting about his past, he's not just talking about pain and he's not just talking about success. He's got both. He says, I'm forgetting about that and I'm straining toward what is ahead. Now, remember that question I asked you, is your past holding on to you? If it was as easy as, all right, everyone, go ahead and strain toward what is ahead, forget about what's behind. I'll catch you guys next year, same weekend. It's not that easy, though, is it? What we believe is that every human being falls short of God's standard, that none of us are perfect, that we all have issues and challenges that are unique to us. The Bible has a word for it. It's called sin. And what we believe is because we have sin in our lives, that that sin affects everything. So that in your relationships, when God has a perfect plan for marriage and your relationships with your children and your siblings, sin comes in, what's it do? It breaks that. It messes it up. We see this in government. We see this working with one another. So when we talk about our past, what we can understand is that sin has likely played a role on our past and that there are certain thoughts that you and I carry in here today that we do not realize but that are not what God wants, that we need to forget or we need to let go. Here's a few of them. Because of sin, you might think your past holds on to you by making you think you missed your chance. Here's what this one sounds like in your head. I should have finished school. I should have gone to that school. I should have stayed at that job. I should have left that job. I should have said sorry. I should have started that relationship. I should have ended that relationship. And you play this in your head anytime you're triggered around those topics and you're holding on to it because you think you missed your chance and that God can't use you because of that. That's not what God has in mind for you. That's your brokenness talking. Your past holds on to you by making you think you are not worthy of a better future. 
Here's how this one plays out. Because I did this in my past, God won't give me this in the future. Newsflash, God's not Santa Claus, okay? He's not like, well, you did this on this day, so sorry, no family for you forever, right? Doesn't that sound, doesn't that sound crazy when I say it out loud? But we think this. I've thought this before, like, God can't give me this if I did this thing. Let me encourage you with something today. That's not how God works. When we're children of God, we opt into the fact that he's not keeping a scorecard about us. We don't have to believe that our our past is somehow condemning any future action for us. And your past holds on to you by telling you things will never be as good as they used to be. I'll never be in that job again. I'll never be in that shape. Our family's never going to feel whole again. Like, like the God of hope and peace and joy of the universe who wants to know you personally, do you think he would want you to feel and experience that your future is not going to be as good as your past? That doesn't sound like the guy I'm reading about. But these are the lies we tell ourselves. So Paul says, forget. Now, to those of us that it's very easy to read the Bible literally, you might already be thinking like, okay, how do I erase every memory I've ever had? Like, don't look at the person you came with and say, who are you or anything? That'd be creepy right now. <laughs> you know, like, God's not saying you can't remember the, the happy, joyful moments, not that. But what, what Paul is saying is you can't be owned by that stuff. You can't be owned by your past because when you become a follower of Jesus, we opt into this thing called grace. That in spite of all the great things about you, and I am sure there are so many great things about you, and all of the bad things about you, when we follow Jesus and we believe in what God did, we opt in and say that there is grace and forgiveness and purpose because of Jesus, not because of you. That's why we call it the good news, the gospel. That's what we opt into. How freeing is that, right? What a weight off your shoulders that God's not just looking through your family home videos going, no, not here, not here, not here, not here. Yeah, I don't think they're getting into heaven anyway. (laughs) Next, it's not happening. Let me give you a few practical ways that that you can kind of let go of your past. There's nothing wrong with this. You can enjoy great memories, you can enjoy great memories. My, my family on Christmas morning pulls out our ancient VHS camera. You know what I'm talking about? They're like 65 pounds. They come with a pair of New Balance shoes for your dad, and it's, it's awesome. And so they pull it out, and they like recorded our entire lives. My dad did an excellent job. And they put these tapes on, and this year, uh, since I- I'm married now, my-, my wife and I watched them. I was like, babe, look at me. And she's like, great, yeah, I have to look at you the rest of your life. You know, so, uh, <laughs> but no, look, I'm, I'm open in presence. Uh, and so we're watching these videos, and here's what I see is it's, it's 25 years ago, and, and my parents are 25 years younger, and, and, and there's all this time that's passed between, and my, my dad looks so different, my mom looks so different. There's family members in this video who are no longer with us, and maybe you can relate to what I'm talking about. And when I watch that, there's like a joy, and then just like a pain in my heart. Like, oh, is it going to be that way again? And in that moment is when we have to speak truth, which is that we believe that God is good and that he frees us up to enjoy those things and we don't have to feel that pain. 
You can just be released to enjoy great memories. Here's the second thing you can do. You can learn from past pains. You can learn from past pains. This is very simple. There might be memories and things in your past that continue to pop up because God's still trying to teach you. Don't say that. (laughs) There might be things that continue to pop up because there's something God has for you still. I'll tell you one from my own life. I grew up uh, with a great grandmother. She was very uh, heavy influence in my life, uh, lived right down the street for, from us. Uh, and when I started working in the first church I was in, uh, you've seen this before, it's possible to have unhealthy work habits in the church, and that was me right away. Just working nonstop, completely disengaged from my family. And my mom was saying, hey, your grandma's getting older. You, you really need to go visit her. She lived five minutes from my home. You know where the story's going. One morning, I'm doing something at the church, and it wasn't anything meaningful. I'm sorry to say, I wasn't writing like the Sermon of Pentecost or anything like that. I, uh, whatever I was doing, I get a call, and I said, your grandma's passed away. And I lived with so much guilt and shame around that, because it was five minutes away. And I just tried to push those memories down, because that's what we tend to do as humans, Get out of here, that doesn't make me feel good, right? When I finally got it through my thick head to slow down and talk with God about it, here's what I learned. I learned that I have the way I'm wired, my flavor of sin, if you will, is that I'm gonna put things ahead of my family. That's just a natural thing if I'm not checking my spirit. I'm gonna put work, I'm gonna put projects ahead, and God's saying, you need to stop and you need to learn because this is what I have for you. And now I can stand here and I can say, I know I'm going to see her again one day. I know there's grace and there's forgiveness for me, but what are you doing? You're learning, right, from those past memories. Here's the third one. Release what's holding you back. Release what's holding you back. There are things in your life that you're just holding on to and you don't need to anymore. A good question to think about is like, whenever it comes to to your final days, what are you going to be glad you held on to? (laughs) In Hebrews chapter 12, they make a distinction. He says, I'm going to run the race with endurance. I'm going to release the things that hold me back and the sin that ensnares. What the writer of Hebrews does is he makes a distinction. There are things that are sin that you need to get go of, let go of. There are things that are just holding you back. There are thoughts and things that you've told yourself that they're just not helpful and you need to release them. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, just says this, there are far, far better things ahead than any we leave behind. Is your past holding you back? Here's what it says in verse 14. Paul says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This brings up a couple questions. What is the goal? In our time on earth, when we become followers of Jesus, one of my favorite things about Christianity is this. It's not a spectator sport. When you decide to follow God and really put your feet in the water, you are in. Here's our goal while we're on earth. It's to live with righteousness, to extend grace, to care for the less fortunate, to become more like Jesus. It's laid out for us in Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission where it commands followers of Jesus to go into all the world and make disciples. So Paul is saying, I'm forgetting what's behind, I'm straying towards what's ahead because I'm a Jesus follower 
and I got a goal. And my past doesn't matter much when I have a goal. You have that same goal. He says, to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. This is part of the hope of the Christian faith, that we believe there's more than flesh and bones and more than our earthly timelines. We believe that when our time is done, we will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. And at that point, I like to say that death will have no more definition. That word's not gonna make sense anymore because you're there with Jesus forever and all this melts away. So Paul's saying, I don't have time to hold on to all this junk. I got work to do and then I'm gonna go be with Jesus forever. It sounds pretty nice, right? I'm gonna see all the people. I'm gonna have the good things. Like, it's gonna be great. And then he says the most important part. He says, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. This is our one point of the day. In 2020, moving forward, we need to focus on Jesus. Is your past holding on to you? If you're done with that and you're worn out with that and you want a great 2020, focus on Jesus. We want to become more like Christ. And I don't know if you've noticed this, you tend to become more of what you focus on. Right? So, so being newly married, I'm learning a lot about this, right? So when we focus on each other's faults, when we've been together for a long day or whatever, and, and you know, if you're married, you can secretly back me up, I think, like just kind of like blink. Um, <laughs> Morse code, right? But like you find something to, to be picky about or whatever. Like that's not how I would fold the laundry. And your spouse is like, well, you don't do the laundry. Maybe based on true events. Anyway, um, just kidding. And, and what do you do? You have this negative thought and then you start to get negative about other things, right? And you start to get picky. And then before you know it, it bleeds out into other areas of your life. As you focus on the negative, you become more negative. We see a popular example when you focus on your obsession is money. I just have to get more, have more stuff. Bleeds into every area of your life. What if in 2020, the focus was Jesus for you? And you start to experience more of the Jesus life as your past kind of gets into the rearview mirror and you focus on Jesus and you just start to experience more of those things, grace and peace and patience and kindness. What would that look like if that was 2020 for you? Some practical ways to do that, if you're like, how do I focus more on Jesus? Here's just some really practical things you can do. Focus on God's grace. That's what I'm talking about with the gospel. If you're living with just this weight and condemnation and just terrible self-talk, toward yourself, the God of the universe actually doesn't want that for you. He's got better stuff in mind. And when he sees you, he doesn't see the labels you gave yourself. He sees son and he sees daughter. He sees loved and he sees worthy. He sees meaningful. He sees worthwhile. That's what God sees in you. So why don't you let him call you those things? So focus on God's grace. You can focus on God's truth. I've got my scripture on my notes here, but right, this is God's word. And what we see happening, and this is expected, this is okay, culture drifting further away from God's truth, right? And, and, and so it's over here, and people are more unhappy than ever, they're more anxious than ever, they're more depressed than ever, they're more fearful than ever. And it's like, hello, right? So if you're feeling those things, can I just encourage you to just shift 
your head this year and focus on God's word. Because he loves you, he gave you the Bible. And it is hard to understand at times and there are confusing pieces and you have to work through it and wrestle through it and I have to do that all the time. But if you focus on God's word, what kind of direction would that give? Healing, peace. You can focus on God's people. God gives us this imperfect but wonderful thing called the church, the gathering of believers. And if you're just longing for community, like get involved, like opt in, be with people who would call you out on stuff, who would challenge you, who would encourage you, who would work through things with you. I'll tell a final story because what I would suspect as I share about the past and focusing on the future and focusing on Jesus and that God has good stuff for you, I'm sure as I share that, you're like, there's some of us that are like, you have no idea the amount of pain I have. And you're right, I don't. You have no idea the stuff that I've gone through and the hurts and the weights and the things no one knows, and I don't see how God could have anything better for me. When I was seven years old, my mother was diagnosed with an incredibly aggressive form of MS. And within a couple of weeks, they had rushed her to the UCLA Medical Center and placed her on life support. So as a seven-year-old, I went there and had the moment that you would dread for your kids where I was told to say goodbye to my mom. And through a miracle, literally when they, when they pull the plug, and at that time it was a, a literal thing, she lived. And the following 20 years of my life since those moments have been filled with tremendous joy and just the darkest pain as she's been confined to a wheelchair and she's slowly lost her faculties and it's been rough. And there are so many stories I could tell you. And I tried to run from that as we do from pain. Two years ago, a family in our church approached me and they said, hey, we know a bit of your story and there's a seven-year-old boy in our church. His mom is very sick. Sounds like she's, she's terminal. Would you consider sitting down with him? And I said, you got the wrong guy. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Daryl Camp. you're thinking of, uh, my brother. And so, um, I, obviously, I said yes. But I didn't want to. So don't make this a go Derek story. Think about this in your own context. I really did not want to. But here's what I've learned the last couple of years hanging out with this little boy. His name's Larkin. We get lunch on Thursdays. I talk to him, and 95% of the time, it's about professional wrestling or Star Wars. And there are days where I just feel like I am running into a brick wall with this kid. But there's another 5% where I can talk to Larkin in a way that no one else can. Because when I was a little boy, my mom was very sick. And I can speak a language that he didn't know someone else could speak with him. And when I think about that pain that I have, I don't see the whole picture, but I do see a pinprick of light shining through that the pain I went through, God has a purpose for. On Christmas Eve, they placed Larkin's mom into hospice. On Christmas Day, we were able to do Christmas for him and get him his very first bike. And we're just living in this tension. And we don't know what's going to happen, but I want to let my past be part of God's plans for the future. And that's not a Derek Bocamp exclusive. That's for any of you who have a past that you're wondering if God can use. He can, he can, he can. So as I close, that to me is the hope that we have in Jesus. 
That's the hope for your families and your, your communities moving forward is that when we just say, God, like, what have you done here? And I'm just going to focus on the future. I'm going to focus on Jesus. God uses that to transform people, ourselves included. So what if 2020, you stop putting yourself in the straight jacket that you call the past? You maybe ask yourself some questions at the end of the year. Is my past holding on to me? And in what parts? You had that conversation with yourself or with your significant other, whoever that may be. And then you just focused on Jesus. Put it in your phone, put a reminder on your fridge, whatever it takes. But like, wouldn't it be a good year to set your eyes on Jesus like you never have before? That's what God has for you. He has the best in mind for you. He loves you. He has a good future for you. And most importantly, God's not done with you. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. I just pray over this church family, uh, God, that they would just experience your grace like never before. I pray for people that have heavy hearts when they think about their past, that you would just bring healing, bring the right support. I pray that you would allow this community to be a place where we just see love and care. And God, as we look at this coming year, I pray for each and every person in this room just a special blessing that they might get to the end of 2020 and, and realize they focused on you like they never have before. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.